Who's that? It's Clark Kent. Clark. Oh, Clark. Sorry, I meant to call you. Uh, thank you for saving Lucas. Uh, uh, rescues are becoming a bit of a Luther family tradition. I understand they caught the shooter in Metropolis. Yes, I heard that. So I can assume you've also heard that he died while in police custody. Oh, that's unfortunate. <laughs> but um, it, it happens. Just awfully convenient, isn't it? Kind of like how Lex was able to track down Lucas? <laughs> well, I think you've inherited your father's paranoia. We're not talking about my family, Mr. Luther. We're talking about yours. Good night, Clark. Send my regards to your mother. Somebody save me indeed. Hello and welcome to Farm to Fable, a Smallville rewatch fan cast. I am your forever host, Michael, and I'm also the host of the RPG Academy podcast, where I talk mostly about role-playing games, but all tabletop gaming in general. I also organize a three-day gaming convention held in Dayton, Ohio, each November. Before we get started, please be advised that Farm to Fable may include adult language and reference adult behavior. Please consider us PG-13 in regards to content acceptability for your young ones. Also, this is your spoiler warning. While we will focus on each episode week to week, our discussions may and likely will reference the entire series run and the wider Superman mythos. You can email our show at smallvillefancast at gmail.com with any comments, concerns, or questions. Please follow us on Twitter at Farm2Fable and join our Facebook group page at Smallville Farm to Fable. With all of that out of the way, let's meet today's co-host. Yes, uh, this it's 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 me. It's Tom. Um, once again, this is my my second episode of Farm to Fable. You all know me from the RPG Academy. You can follow me at Bezcar Tom on Twitter. Now, when we did your first episode, you said that you might stick around in Smallville. That your your wife would watch the first one. There's a possibility, so I want to yeah. check in now. Have you been keeping up with the show? Heck no. All right. So because <laughs> there is so much good content on TV right now. I don't have time to retread the late nineties, early two thousands. So as much as I, as much as I hope to one day, um, maybe when I retire and have the time, uh, it's disappointing. Cause I was looking forward to hearing your hot takes as we go, but I do agree. There's so much stuff. And then in, in March, there's going to be so much new stuff in March. It's going to be insane. Well, don't worry. Don't worry. I still have plenty of hot takes for this episode. I can still, oh, I can okay. still watch like, this is one of those shows where I can watch an episode and enjoy it for what it is. I don't need to watch every episode. All right. Well, let's uh, do our Pass the Torch question. So last week, Devin had asked, what would you do to get your biggest rush if you were infected with a parasite that removed your inhibitions? This is in reference to the previous episode where a couple of the characters were infected by a Kryptonian parasite that feeds off of adrenaline and was forcing the characters to do bigger and bigger sort of things to try to get adrenaline. They became adrenaline junkies. Okay. And there was a, because it's Smallville, there was a little bit of a mixed metaphor with how that actually caused them to do some of the things they did. So interpret the question however you would like. If you had no inhibitions, what would you do? Or if you became an adrenaline junkie, what would you okay. do? Okay, this is me. 
I'm going to I'm going to date this podcast so hard, okay? And I'm going to do so by saying that I would if I had this parasite that made me an adrenaline junkie, what I would do is I would go to my 401k broker and I would have them liquidate buy everything <laughs> and I would buy tons of GameStop stock. Even now that it's on the top, I would be it I I'd be in it for the moon, man, to the moon, all right? That's, you know, no inhibition. See, I, I hear you need to go AMC because that's what supposedly <laughs> oh, is next. Tr- trust me, I'm I'm in them all. I'm in all the meme stocks because this parasite has really messed me up. All right, fair enough. So I, I'm kind of um I'm kind of a dull boy these days. Like I don't really do a whole lot. I like roller coasters, so I might just like try to find the biggest, craziest roller coaster I could. Maybe. I, there's, it's nothing too exciting. Like I wouldn't skydive. I, I guess maybe I would because if I'm an adrenaline junkie, I would be forced to do things to give myself adrenaline. But like I, I never plan on skydiving. I am too much of a coward for that. I rode the Tower of Terror once, but you know they just drop you, and I will never ride that again. I love roller coasters, but that scared the bejesus out of me. So maybe I just ride the Tower of Terror a few times. But uh, I got nothing too exciting here. Okay, fair enough. So with that out of the way, it's now time to open our Smallville yearbook and see who our notable guest stars are. Hey, Clark. Look who came to check up on you. Okay, uh, the first one is Paul Wesley, who is Lucas Luther. And man, oh man, is he the pinnacle definition of a 2000s boy, all right? <laughs> and then we have Zen Lim, who's credited as Zen Shane Lim, as Dirk Lee. And I have some questions. We'll get to them. So now it's time to grab a copy of this week's Daily Planet and check the bylines to see who brought us this episode. Which I will note, this is the episode where I take the audio blurb you're about to hear from. I mean, that's a story that could land you a byline on the front page of the Daily Planet. So we are here to talk about Season 2, Episode 15, Prodigal. Date of original airing was February 11th, 2003. The character of Superman was created by Jerry Seigel and Joe Schuster, and Smallville was created by Alfred Goff and Miles Millar. We have two credited writers for this episode, Kelly Souders and Brian Peterson. Okay, and then this episode was directed by Greg Beeman. All right, Tom, are you now ready to explore the Kawachi Caves to get a glimpse of where we came from as well as where we may be going? Absolutely. All right. So Lex finds Lucas, the son of Lionel, gave the son Lionel gave up for adoption and brings him home in hope that they can unite against Lionel. And that's great and all, but it doesn't tell us what we really need to know. So let's dig a little deeper into these caves and ask the important questions. Does this episode feature a vehicle crashed or otherwise destroyed? Uh, Yes, multiple, I believe. (laughs) Does this episode feature someone falling unconscious for any reason? Yes. Does this episode feature someone in a hospital bed? Nope. Does this episode feature Clark telling or showing someone besides his forever crush line his powers and abilities? Kind of, yes. Follow-up, does that person die, lose their memory, or otherwise become unable to share this knowledge or become a confidant of Clark's? Oh, they die. Does this episode feature Clark using his powers irresponsibly? Uh, yeah, kind of. Okay, I had more of a no, but we can talk about that. Uh, does Clark <laughs> casually break and enter a business or residence? Y- yes. Oh, no, 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 no. Um, not casually, not casually. All right. Not, not casually. <laughs> not okay. casually. Does this episode feature a moment where a character travels a seemingly long way to have a short conversation and then leave? Yes. Like, ridiculously so. Does this episode feature a conversation between two people where one person has their back to the other and is weirdly talking over the shoulder? I wasn't, I, I don't, I don't know. This one was, I wasn't sure about. So I wrote almost, 
And then we do have one that kind of happens off screen, and we'll talk about it when we get there. Okay. Uh, was the person talking weirdly over the shoulder Lex? Um, k- kind of. Does this episode feature a particularly thirsty moment from one or more of our characters? Uh, yeah, yeah, of course. Thirsty. Does this episode feature a cheeky bit of dialogue that hints at or directly references the wider Superman mythos? Uh, no. I was looking for it. I mean, they say Metropolis and Daily Planet, but at this point in the show, I feel like that's a common thing to say, so. Yeah, I agree. Uh, does this episode feature a moment with a needle drop where a contemporary song perfectly sums up a character's thoughts and her desires? I don't, I, I'm not sure. Plenty of songs, basketball song, you know, that one, that one comes to mind, but I don't know about thoughts and desires. Yeah, I, w- I would agree that no. And finally, does this episode feature a classic small loop of logic wherein the characters jump to correct conclusion around who or what is behind some mysterious event? Or otherwise solve a problem with little to no actual information to base such conclusions. I'm going to say kind of, but that person who figures this stuff out is Lex Luthor. And he's got, he's got the, he's got it. He's got smooth brain going on. So yeah, I think, I think that this one doesn't count then. Fair enough. So with that out of the way, let's use our x-ray vision to look closely at this week's episode. In our cold open, Lucas and an accomplice are cheating at cards in what appears to be an illegal casino. But when his accomplice is caught, Lucas is forced to flee, and only by the timely arrival of Lex does he make it out alive. Though not before Lex tells him, I'm your brother. So right as we open, we hear China by Mystica playing uh, over the opening scene, which I don't think there are any lyrics. It's just sort of an Asian-sounding ambiance to this uh, Chinese casino, I guess. I think it's always fun when you open on a legal casino operation, though it looks like Lucas's partner has either hacked into the existing security or they've installed their own cameras. And I have questions on how they were able to get those cameras in there if they installed their own. And I also have questions if this was the existing security, who was doing that? Yeah. And why is he hiding in the closet? That seems like you go through all this effort to put all these cameras up and then you're going to hide in the broom closet like some sort of amateur. I don't think it was a closet. It was like a storeroom where they keep like food and stuff. So certainly somebody was going to come in there at some point. If not the security guard dude, the somebody was going to and get get them caught. Yeah, it was. It all seemed pretty pretty loose to me. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it did. It seemed like uh, it was destined to fail. So I have a question, uh, Tom. Are you a gambler of any? Do you play I the play, cards? At all? I play poker. Okay. So I called out there that there are some rule infractions going on really hardcore already. And there's some questions about this betting structure. So just so anyone knows, if you ever go to a casino and you're playing in a game, you're not allowed to say, I see you and raise you. This is very classic nomenclature happens all the time, like these old Wild West TV shows where it's like, I see you, bum bum, and then I raise you. You can't do that. You have to say raise. And that, that assumes that you might kind of call them and you're going to make the bet go higher. So just so you know, you can't do that. Secondly, on the second call and raise, Lucas, I think, adds, he raises a thousand, uh, 1500 But to that point, we already called and raised 2000 And then he calls and raises again. So there's at least uh, like $7,000 in this pot. Raising the $7,000 pot by 1500 is a very weak and suspicious bet. Oh, yeah. That's... That's very For weird. Sure. That's an amateur saying, yeah, I'm going to try to bluff. Like, <laughs> right. I'm going to bluff you. So, I mean, it could be like, a, you know, you lure them in because it seems like it's an obvious bluff. But even then, the, the, the pot 
being that high to that size of a bet makes no sense. It's yeah, but Lucas screams amateur throughout this entire episode, so this is this plays into his okay strength. So maybe it was intentional. To me, it just seemed like someone who didn't really know that much about poker. But uh, I don't know they were playing poker. Like they they played late five cards, but it, it could be a different game. They were playing movie poker. Movie poker, yeah. I did. That was a little interesting. That at some points we don't get an English translation it just says speaking in chinese and in other times we do get the translation i don't know like why they would do one and not the other but i don't know any, any thoughts on that uh no just standard early 2000s racism <laughs> just <laughs> kind of what it was <laughs> just all like this homogenous chinese gambling then <laughs> fair enough yep I actually really liked the stunt that Lucas does. Uh, I'm sure it wasn't actually Lucas, though. When he's getting shot at originally, he dives over like that stairwell banister, like midway, lands and sort of rolls to the ground. That looked movie quality stunt to me. Like, I didn't see that as cheesy at all. Did you clock that at all? Uh, no, I really didn't. I really didn't pay attention. I'm, I'm just noticing like the, the ex- excess sparks as the guns hit the wall, the bullets hit the walls, you know? Well, how are we supposed to know he's being shot at, Tom? I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's funny. Yeah. I, I, get, I really like that um, stunt. I did think it was pretty cold for him just to use that random dude as a body shield. Like, like he didn't murder that person, but that would be like manslaughter, right? Like, you grab someone and knowingly put them in front of bullets to save yourself. Oh, uh, yeah. I would not put manslaughter past Lucas, though. Uh, no, definitely. Definitely not. He jumps on a motorcycle, and this is something I've seen a thousand times before, but... I can't help but think that motorcycle, had the keys been left in it, which apparently were, would have been stolen? Maybe. Maybe there's just so many motorcycles and nobody realizes it. I don't know. Yeah, I get it. It's very convenient. I mean, I guess it could be that if this is a illegal gambling operation, you don't want your clientele to fear for their safety. Like, that's why you have armed gunmen there is ostensibly for their protection. So maybe no one would dare steal a motorcycle from this place. But anytime I see someone jump on a motorcycle that has the key in it, I just think, why was it that motorcycle? Stolen? Yeah. The, all right. So I got this next section. All right. So Luther all of a sudden just shows up. Okay. This is a, Lex, you mean Lex. Lex. Yeah. Lex. Lex Luther shows up. All right. So this is, this is, all right. I noticed this. I'm not sure if I was going crazy. Okay. So, all right. This probably, I'm going to try to translate this to an audio only medium as best I can. All right. So Lucas is running. Okay, he's running, and he runs, like, right into, he's running from these guys. He runs right into Lex, and Lex's car is pointing right at him. All of a sudden, Lex is like, get in the car, and then Lucas jumps in the car, and Lex has the car drive back towards the direction that Lucas was coming from, but all of this, but somehow the bad guys were chasing the car. It was almost like they forgot which, like, their frame of perspective. Like, go back and watch. It's the goofiest thing ever because I rewinded it and I, it happened. It was like I was super confused. It like made my brain like do a little like like the gears get got jammed up there for a second. I was, I was trying to figure out how did this car just turn around. And in reality, it didn't. So anyway, so I did not notice that at all. Though you did leave out the fact that Lucas uh, had to wreck the motorcycle. That that is one of our vehicles being wrecked. He ditched the motorcycle. Um, right before it hit the wall, but see, I like to think that Lionel or that Lex clearly has a bulletproof limo. So there's probably a deleted scene where they ran at the gunman, and the gunman had to dive out of the way 
as they were shooting it, and then they got up from behind and shot it. I, I, I just think that's what And also, I'm, at this point, I'm going to say this. This is actually, I didn't mention this. This is my, the other episode that I was on was also a Luther-centric episode. So, I don't know if all of, every other episode of Smallville has their Luther episode, but I, I just thought that was funny. Also, I think it's so annoying, but I get it that every luther's name starts with an l and it just makes it so confusing like as we've been going through this first like part of this episode we've messed up names already like unintentionally we know their names but that's so confusing anyway that's that all right uh so when we get to season three i'll have to look for a luther specific okay. episode there you go just assign it to you. <laughs> yep all right so anything else about this cold open nope generic action scene introduced this guy as a total tool bag <laughs> Yes. All right. So in the first act, Clark wants a part-time job at the Talon, but Lana isn't so sure. Lex stops by to see Lionel with Lucas and witnesses a more tender father-son reunion than he was likely expecting. Lex brings Lucas to the farm, and Clark and Lucas sniff around each other over a game of hoops. Lana and Chloe discuss Clark and how much fun it is to be his boss. Lex finds out he's been outmaneuvered by Lionel and Lucas, and with hat in hand, goes to ask to stay with Clark at the farm. So the the cold open was pretty self-contained. We basically had the introduction of Lucas like showing up at the very end. We have a whole bunch of scenes in the first act. Yeah. The first act is actually very meaty. There's a lot going on. But a big picture, was there anything in the first act in particular that you wanted to talk about? Oh, yeah. How much of an edgelord is Lucas? Like he goes, so you mentioned this, he goes into Lionel's office, all right? And he like, pulls out this he like lionel's got this samurai sword because every corporate suit evil bad guy needs to have a samurai sword and um he like lucas like pulls it off and he's like oh this is obviously a fake i am a 17 year old who has studied all of asian culture like what a weeb like he just is like oh gosh lucas so technically he's 18 because that's a plot point. He has to oh, be 18 got, for this whole thing to work. Gotcha. Uh, but the whole point of that is to clock how observant Lucas is because he very quickly will realize that Lionel is not blind. Oh, yeah. And he, you know, he picks that up basically in one day where Lex has been with his dad multiple times and has not yet figured this out. So I think that, I mean, it's very mm, generic, but it's that's the point is to let you know, oh, this kid's actually super observant. Oh, yeah. That makes me mad that Lex wasn't able to figure out that Lionel was blind. Also, come on. Talk about you know, pretending you have a disability. Like, this like guy, like, has, like, man, Lionel is the worst. Well, in the in episode 10, which I just re-recorded a couple days ago, we have a very likely scenario where Lionel framed someone for murder. Uh, we learn later he definitely has framed someone for murder. But... In this episode, it's pretty much implied that he had Dirk killed, right? Like the scene we did as our cold open, there was a, a gunman that tried to shoot Lucas who died in police custody and Lionel sort of chuckling about it. I, I, I believe that the show was telling us that Lionel set that up and had this man killed. So we are dealing with someone who will absolutely have someone murdered if it is convenient. I hate Lionel so much. His hair too. It just bothers me. Oh, I love his hair. If if I could grow my hair like that, I would have Gosh, a mane. No. But it's just not going to work. Okay. So, looking at the scene kind of in order, the opening, I think, was te- was aimed directly at me as a tease, because we almost see the Talon Marquis, but then we don't. What's so important about that? 
so I have been tracking it this season because every time you see it, it's a they've changed it. It's always a different, uh, you know, little saying or you know, advertisement or something. So I've been trying to keep up with how often it changes, mm. and it changes all the time. Uh, but we don't actually get to see it; we just almost get to see it. So I feel like that was aimed at me. Lana should not hire Clark. I actually totally agree with her. When she says, you know, you're not the best at keeping appointments. Yeah. I don't care how cute Clark is and how much fun it will be to be his boss. She knows that this is not going to work out and it makes absolutely no sense for her to oh. even consider it. Oh, also talk about like talking down about blue collar workers when when Lana's like, yeah, you could always go get a job at the hardware store. Like, come on. I, I agree with this. Clark's a big boy. He could, he could totally. lift heavy things. He could definitely work at the hardware yeah, store. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. And he could be like a delivery person. Yeah, you so you, be- you and a previous life worked at Home Depot, and I had a previous life used to work at Home Depot. You know, back in the college days, you know, nothing wrong with hardware stores. Go get your job at Home Depot, Clark. Now, again, you don't know because I'm assuming you didn't watch any other episode but this one, right? Correct. Okay, so in the previous episode, there was a big blow up between Lana and Clark where they were supposed to go on a date and they canceled over what was the truth but appeared to be a lie and because Clark's Clark, he can't tell the actual truth. He has to live with the fact that Lana thinks he lied to her. Oh, I was able to pick so, all of this up. <laughs> okay, so that's why there's a rose in the garbage can in that scene because just the night before he came to apologize and she threw the rose away. But I have a huge problem with the fact that it seems like their relationship has kind of reset, even though it's only been like twelve hours. Because in the past, that's happened. They've had problems, and then the show will tell us, you know, a week has passed, a month has passed. They've they've probably slowly started to rekindle, and the those really emotional feelings have started to drain away a little bit, and they're able to sort of start to rebuild. But the show tells us t- today that this episode is like 12 hours from the last one. The last one, there was this really emotional blow-up, and Lana is acting like NBD. I, I, I don't know. That bothers me. Just, just high school kids doing high school stuff. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. That's all it is. Uh, but Lana is finally guilted into giving Clark an application, though she knows this is going to end terribly. And I, uh, she should not be in charge of running a business at 15 if she's going to make these Wait, she's 15? Yes. All the characters are roughly 15, 16 oh, years old. Oh, gosh. Okay. They're, they're sophomores in high school. Okay. All right. I think you, you, you probably told me that before. Yeah, probably. I'd totally yeah. let fifteen year old run a business. Yeah, absolutely. So we cut to Luther Tower, where Lionel is discussing an important vote, and he's got a missing board member. He's trying to cajole into coming back uh, for it, and that's when Lex drops in with Lucas in tow, and it's like, "Hey, Dad, here's your other son." <laughs> that's and Lionel is like. Oh my dear God, sweet Lucas! He he gives him a big hug and just like shows him more affection in that scene than Lex has ever had from Lionel, and I love because Lex came there thinking I've got this, and Lionel immediately just blows up 
Lex's thought on what was going to happen here. And this was all, I'm sure, was all planned out in advance because Lionel is much smarter than Lex, at least at this point. But I really like this. I like this a lot because Lex walked in there thinking, oh, man, and then walked out going, oh, man. This is hilarious because I just, this Lionel starts being all emotional and I just thought it was terrible acting from the actor and script writing. I was like, oh man, why is this, this is so, this is so cheesy and telegraphed. But then you find out that he knew all about Lucas already. So in character, he's got to act and everything. I was like, oh man, this is like, this is so meta and the greatest script writing ever. Like, (laughs) it all makes sense. It it does. It all makes sense when when you finally get to the, the... the end, if we see it all, you know, memento style, we can look back and put all the pieces together. It's all there. Uh, and this is where we get that keen observation you mentioned. He checks out the sword, but realizes it's fake. He also clocks that Lionel doesn't put his finger into the rim of the glass when he's pouring the water. And that's how Lucas realizes, or at least starts to get a big hint that Lionel can actually see, because as he mentions later, that's what a blind person would do. Uh, and again, Lex totally doesn't see this at all. I really want to go. I want to ask a. I want to ask someone who is visually impaired, like if like that's actually a thing. <laughs> like, like, do you put your finger on the inside of the glass, or was this something the scriptwriter was like? Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I, again, I don't know if anyone listening uh, is or knows someone who's visually impaired. I'd I'd love to know that because it, it makes total sense. But if you're pouring something hot like coffee, wouldn't that suck? It's like, hey, I got to scald my <laughs> finger every time. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, so, and so, again, this is a weird Michaelism. Uh, when, I, when I was in college, I lived in Keene Hall, went to EKU, and we used to call Keene Hall Gilligan's Island because it was like across the road from the main campus. It was the only one that wasn't, like, it was on campus, but it was technically across a road. So I had to walk across a road every single day, multiple times. And I got to the point where I counted and knew how many times the walk signal would blink before it turned to don't walk, because I I knew, if, I would wanted to know if I would be able to make it or not. And that's just who I am. Within a couple of days, I was like, okay, it blinks X number. I don't remember now, but at the time I did. So I imagine that if I lost my sight, I would just get to the point where I would count and go, if I pour for three, then it's four. Yeah. So that's what I would do. I would count it. I would figure it out that way. So I, I do believe that there's a there are other ways that this might work. No, this is the only way. <laughs> uh, okay, fair enough. So we cut to the farm where Clark and Petey are playing some hoops, and, and Petey's like, dude. Working at the Talon. Could you be any more obvious? What happened to Pete Ross' rule of proximity? You want to get in the game, you got to get on the court. Clark, Lana will be your boss. She's going to take out all her pent-out frustrations of all the times you've ever let her down. You're not going to be in the game. You're going to be in the locker room cleaning the toilets. <laughs> I actually kind of like this whole friend slang that they would uh, come up with. But then Lex pulls up. Uh, with Lucas in tow, and they sort of start hanging out. I don't understand. I-, I don't understand this. Like, what was the point? Because it wasn't like Lex was trying to like get anything out of this situation. He was just like hanging out with Lucas. Hey, Lucas, let's go to my friend's farm. It was just so goofy. Well, thank you. I actually really like this because that does seem like something Lex would do because he does have this weird relationship with Clark. And I feel like he would want Clark to be a part of this new dynamic that he has with Lucas. And I really like there's like this weird love quadrilateral situation going on because 
Petey is jealous of Lex because of Clark and Lex's relationship. And Clark seems to be getting really quickly a little jealous about Lucas. And Lucas is very observant. He's picked up right away that Clark is important to Lex. So I think that's when they start playing basketball. He tries to show him up. Like, I, I actually like the dynamics of this scene and how they play out and how Petey tries to be the peacemaker. Because right away, he's like, hey, Lucas, play some ball. A very friendly thing to do to give Lex and Clark some time to talk. And then when Clark gets a little aggressive about, you know, wanting to show Lucas up, Petey's the one that tries, tries to calm everything down. I actually really liked this whole scene. I thought it was great. Um, you know how, this is how I felt about this scene. As soon as the music dropped and they started playing basketball, I hit that 15 second skip button like five times until I got to the end. <laughs> okay. So you missed some of the best acting and just uh, scene setting here. No, no. I saw the end, like when they, when they, he ran into him, but it was just like, man, they just, this went on forever. They're just playing some music, shooting the hoops, you know? Yeah. So I do want to go back and mention that um, I think Lex actually says, so the prodigal son returns, which is basically saying the title of the episode, which is the second week in a row that's happened. In last episode, Rush, someone says it's a rush, but we will get another, maybe even two more prodigal son returns lines in this episode. So not only do they say the line of the name of the episode, they like drill at home a couple times. So you might have missed the fact that Lucas tried to elbow Clark in the face as like a really hard intentional foul. No, I, I caught that. I caught it. I okay. caught it. Yeah. Uh, so did Clark. He caught it on the chin, but because he's Superman, Lucas hurt himself and not Clark, which I thought was actually kind of funny. Yep. Uh, and that quickly ends the the basketball, and Petey says he'll give Lucas a ride back to the mansion. So, uh, yeah. Uh, and then we cut back. Now we're at the Talon. Uh, Chloe's there, and... He, she came for some coffee and a chat about Clark, and she actually kind of encourages Lana to hire Clark. Clark Kent applied for part-time? Yeah. And he didn't put me as a reference. What's up with that? Doesn't matter. I'm not going to hire him anyway. Why not? You work with him at the Torch. Isn't it strange supervising your friend? Are you kidding? Bossing around Clark is the highlight of my day. <laughs> Besides, he always comes through, even if it isn't his own special Clark time. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm worried about. Lana, you and I both know that Clark could do this job. What's the real reason you don't want him here? I... Yeah, that's what I thought. This whole thing, again, this, this sort of ties back into the fact that this apparently was one day from their big blow-up. I'm pretty sure Chloe was in the hospital yesterday in the timeline of the show, because that's pretty much... So she's out of the hospital, totally fine now. Doesn't talk at all about the fact that she was infected with an alien parasite that caused her to, to, yeah. to make out with Clark. Oh, yeah. None of that. Okay, wow. Yeah, they don't even allude to that at all because I feel like all the love stuff, they get that gets alluded to hard in this show. Like, I'm not, I don't even know what happened between Lana and Clark, but I actually, like, know it just from the show. But, like, yeah, okay. They just yeah. skipped over that. But I do like Lana, or Kristen's, I should say, nonverbal acting. There's a scene where Chloe says something like, what's the real reason? And she just sort of like, ah, and then doesn't actually say anything. Because as someone who's given multiple times, I don't think Kristen has done a great job in the past of acting. I, I'm getting more and more complimentary. She's now into her second season. She's probably done this enough. She's getting better. I actually really liked that. I thought it was funny and fun, and I liked it. Okay. Uh, so back at the mansion, Lex bursts in on Lionel, who's staging his own coup and has taken all of Lex's money and possessions and kicks him out of the mansion. Which is funny because last episode, uh, Devin brought up, why does Lionel let Lex live in the mansion? And I had forgotten that there was a plot line from this episode. 
so then he has to go to the farm, as I say, hat in hand, and ask to be able to stay. And I, again, I liked Lex's sort of hesitant, drawn out asking, because it seems very clear of what he's there for. And I feel like he's hoping that they'll just offer and he doesn't have to completely ask. Yeah. But they don't let him off the hook. They they just sit there and stand in silence until he gets out the entire question, which is very much a throwback to a recent episode where Jonathan has to go to Lex and ask for a favor. And it's very clear that Lex knows what he's there for. And Lex does eventually offer, but he, he makes him squirm a little bit. So I kind of feel like this is payback in a way. Also, I will say this. This scene just solidifies the fact that Lex Luthor is like a, the best part of this entire show. I don't know. Who, who's this actor again? Michael Rosenbaum. Man, why did he not go on to do other things? Like, he is good. I just not enough he, ball. He's done a few things. He's not super well known, but he's done some projects. Uh, he was in Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Wait, who was he in Guardians of the Galaxy 2? He's the diamond-faced guy in the original Ravager crew. Oh, wow. I did yeah. not know that. That's awesome. Hopefully he gets a bigger role in the next one then, because, man, he's yeah. he's like, because especially compared to all the other actors, I know what that this show is what it is, but he's just like, I feel like he's on another level. Yeah, he's really good. He's one of the best parts of the show. I still think Chloe is the best, but he's really good. So in our second actor, Lex is adjusting quickly to life on the farm and shares a touching story with Clark. Lucas is turning the tables on Lionel and wants in, not just what Lionel had promised. He wants to take over Lex's spot. He also proves that Lionel can see. Lana hires Clark, but Lucas steps in as he is now Lana's partner. All right, so again, there's a lot of stuff happens here in the second act. Not quite as much as the first act, but... Yeah, there's a lot of dialogue and stuff in this part. I guess no, and then there's the one action scene. So Jonathan is up early watching Lex do some work. And I really love there's a turn of phrase here where Martha says, you know, we can't turn our back on Lex now. And Jonathan says, believe me, I have no intention on turning my back on Lex now. And I love that turn of phrase. I thought that was excellent scripting. And I thought that both actors delivered those lines very, very well. Yeah, I'm, I'm all for like, I'm all for like stuff at the Kent farm. Like, that's, like, my favorite part of Superman. So, this was... I, I did enjoy this all. Lex shoveling out, doing some, like, random work. He didn't look like he was doing anything, like, actually productive, but he looked like he was working hard. I've never mucked a stall, but that's what I thought he was doing. It's you change out the hay and the horse stalls, because it gets... Do they have horses? I didn't see any horses. Uh, yes, I do believe they do okay. have horses. But I just finish up on the thing with Jonathan. He's Jonathan brings up some great points. He goes, you know, this guy had you investigated... And we have a spaceship in the root cellar, or storm cellar, so maybe don't leave him alone on the farm. Correct. Jonathan, you are a wise man in this case, and yes, everyone should be listening to you. Uh, but, yeah, but the scene you're talking about where he's mucking out the stalls, we get the, what I thought was a kind of a touching story about Lex and his mom, who you know we've touched on a few times. He really cared about his mom. His mom seemed to be a lovely person, and her untimely and unfortunate early death led to a lot of friction between Lionel and Lex and caused a lot of problems. I'm not sure I buy that Lionel would participate. So we get that situation where Lex is saying, you know, we, we spent the time on the farm and we'd all work hand in hand with the, the farm hands. I don't buy that Lionel participated. I'm sure Lex and his mom, but I don't think Lionel was out there mucking stalls with the ranch hands. Do you? Uh, no, Lionel hasn't done a bit of hard labor other than probably strangling a couple people like that's about it 
he he's the type of person who ne- who always skips leg day and is just doing upper body work for sure. He isn't a cardio though. We've seen him do some cardio a couple times. So uh, Lionel comes in to see Lucas playing a video game. I looked up the video game because I didn't recognize it. According to the internet, it's Jinma Amanmusha, which is like a game about samurai. I was hoping that the plot line of the game was somehow related to this week's episode, but it doesn't seem to be. Other than it's like samurai culture, and we already know that Lucas studied, you know, Japanese samurai. Studied the blade. He studied the blade. Oh, gosh. This was such an annoying scene. Like, I wanted to... They just make... I feel like whenever there's like in any of these types of shows where there's supposed to be a young high school character that you're not supposed to like, the they do their best to make him so unlikable. Oh, they're very successful because Lucas is very much unlikable, I think. This dude's a turd. <laughs> okay. But Lionel basically wants him to sign over his shares as they had promised. Uh, we get some information here that Lucas has done some digging and, you know, the 10 million that Lionel offered him as only a fifth of what he's actually worth if he takes Lex's spot. Uh, he does eventually sign the contract, but he doesn't actually sign. He writes, bite me, and Lionel can't help but react. And this is where Lucas pretty much solves that, yes, Lionel can't see, and he proves it by throwing something at his head, and he ducks out of the way. Hold on, $10 million. That's it? That's what uh, Lionel promised him for his part in this plan. Oh, gosh. I feel like that's like... I feel like that's like laughably low if you really think about how much corporations are actually worth. Like, but anyway. <laughs> uh, so what'd you think about the pool ball to the head trick? I thought it was terrible. Lucas being a terrible person. <laughs> like, come on. What if he actually is blind? Like, yeah, it was in. Wow. Lionel is fast. That man has got reflexes like a cat. Oh, yeah. Able to, when Lucas does that and he's dodged out of the way. I guess Lucas did figure out what he wanted to know, but still. I mean, he could throw the pool ball at his chest. It still would have hurt. I know. He throws it right at his head enough to break the glass window. Terrible person. Ter- terrible, terrible person. But, you know, I think this is just supposed to solidify how observant he is. Uh, we come back to the talent to find that Lana hired Clark. And Lucas shows up, and he wants Clark fired because now that he has taken over Lucas or Lionel, Lex's, now I'm doing it, holdings, he's now the quote-unquote partner of Lana. And then Lana says, yeah, you can't do that. Check the agreement. He's not my boss. You know, Lex was my partner. And I think he drops in, that's even better, to set up like maybe some sort of romantic connection with Lana, which to be fair, Lucas is 18. He's the most age-appropriate so far, that, you know, other than Clark to be uh, hitting on Lana. But then they never go anywhere with that. Like, I feel like I, that was that's what that was supposed to be, but we don't actually get anything. Quick question. This is a, an aside, but how did Lana get, the, as a 15-year-old, get the money to be a part owner in a business? Uh, so Lex bought the, the, the property, and Lana is like the managing partner, from what I understand. So Lex is the money behind everything. Okay, gotcha. Fair enough. Yeah. So in our third act, Clark thanks Chloe for helping him land the job with Lana and learns that she has dug into Lucas with info from Metropolis United Charities, which he immediately shares with Lex. Lionel has set this whole thing up. He wanted Lex to find Lucas. Lex stops by the mansion to let Lucas know that it's not over. 
Clark is late for work and Lucas wants him fired, but Lana stands up for him. Clark saves Lucas from an attack, likely from the same people Lucas was cheating from the cold open. Uh, so I really like Clark bringing Chloe uh, a delivery from the Talon. And, you know, he actually thanks her, which is great because their relationship needs to be repaired a little bit as well. Um, but we get another Luther is the prodigal son remark. And this is where, where Chloe actually says, that's the kind of story that gets you a byline on the Daily Planet, which is the, the, the blurb I use in our opening bit when we do that. So that's where that actually came from. Gotcha. So anything in this act that you would like to, to talk about? Oh, this is the big action scene, right? Uh, yes. So, so the, I think that's the very end of this. Yeah, that's 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 the very end. But there's not much that happens. This is actually a pretty short uh, yeah, section. It is. it is. They got actually. I was the special effects were not the worst. Yeah. So let's talk because it is kind of short. Let's talk about it in order. So yeah. So Chloe lets Clark know that she found out about Lucas through the MCU Marvel or MUC United Charities. He takes MCU that to, the MCU the MUC. Okay, gotcha. Uh, so Clark takes that to uh, Lex, who then puts it all together because we've already established that Metropolis United Charities only ever did one adoption, and that was Clark. So we know this is all fake. Lex stops by the mansion to see Lucas, who's redecorated the office in postmodern douchebag. And here's where I think we get our thirsty moment because Lucas is doing some shirtless pull-ups with his glistening abs and pectoral muscles. Thirsty. He's not even that big of a guy. No, but I could do those. Like, I'll give him credit. I couldn't do 12 chin-ups with my shirt off. I, I wouldn't even take my shirt off. So, come on. Okay, fair enough. Uh, but Lex lets him know that things aren't as settled as he likes to think. I found you because he wanted me to. <laughs> High school kids can track you down. You mean your friend Clark Kent? I bet a lot of people are out looking for you. Like your friends from Edge City. Oh, wow, Lex. Is that a threat? You know, Lucas, the Luther gene pool is a shark tank and our fathers just chum the waters. Good luck. Oh, yeah, I was totally cool with this scene because, like, I was getting a little uncomfortable with Lex being, like, people kind of, like, taking advantage of Lex and getting one over on him because, to me, Lex Luthor... It, always needs to be one step ahead of everybody and this is where it felt like lex got his mojo back yeah. and i was like yeah this is what yeah this is what i want be be scared be scared lucas <laughs> like lex is coming for you and i agree that it, it was somewhat out of character to see lex yeah get outmaneuvered though it was by his dad and that is something that is a re reoccurring thing that lionel does seem to have lex's number over and over again uh but you're right in this scene it seems like Lex is back in charge and yep. now has his mojo back. Yeah, it felt like a it felt like a good it felt like an episode turn here. Yeah. So here's where we have the scene where Clark shows up late for work and, L and Lucas is like, "No, I want him fired." And Lana stands up for him and basically says she's not going to fire him and Lucas goes out the back. Clark goes out and he offers to quit. He's like, "Hey, I'll quit, but just don't mess with Lana and Lucas of course being a douchebag is like too late but then that's where we have this assassin who shows up on a motorcycle with an Uzi he <laughs> fires at Lucas Clark takes care of the bullets takes care of the guy and the first thing I want to note is actually because we see Clark kind of like shoulder check the the assassin guy and then he's chasing down the bullets and as he's chasing down the bullets you can still see the assassin guy flying slowly through the air again I actually thought this was pretty good effects and stunt work here yeah i i agree it was 
if you really think about how fast Clark is moving and compared to those slow-mo bullets, he is booking it. So it's always one of those things I always have a, in Superman comics. It's always like, how fast can Clark actually go? Is he faster than the Flash? Because if you think about it, this is like some Flash level speed that oh, Clark yeah. is using right now. Because he sees the bullets and like then he runs and gets in front of them. Like that's it's yeah. also this is clever special effects. It's always easier to give the impression of speed by doing a slow-mo scene and letting a character move at their normal pace than it is to have a character move really fast. Like that is way more special effects. And so uh, this was like, this is once again, Smallville, like being very, very clever with their budget. Yes. So, uh, but just again, overall pretty effective. I have a couple questions though. So, so one, I'm counting the motorcycle as another vehicle wrecked for sure. Uh, even though he gets back on it and drops it away. So it must still be in working condition. They referenced this character, the assassin, as Dirk Lee. But I'm pretty sure Dirk was the name of his accomplice at the beginning of the episode that was captured that caused Lucas to run. Sorry, Dirk. Sorry, Dirk. Sorry, Dirk. And this is not the same guy. So I'm confused. It could be. Maybe it is. Maybe it is. Maybe Luth, Maybe he's coming to get revenge because Lucas left him like in the... In the place by himself at the very beginning. But because it doesn't Luke... look like him. Like I, I didn't like go back to compare, but looking at the assassin, it does not look to be to be the same actor. Nah, as the boy. he looks a little bigger. The assassin looks a little bigger and meaner. So I, so I'm confused by they called him Dirk. Unless they're both called Dirk, that that would be confusing. But then I don't know. So I, I was a little bit maybe I just got confused about that. But so ends the third act. Uh, so now into our fourth act, Lucas and Lionel discuss the dangers of being a Luther. Chloe stops by the Talon to tell Clark that the shooter was caught but died in police custody. Clark rushes off to confront Lionel, leaving Chloe holding his tray. Jonathan and Lex share a nice moment before Lucas interrupts, taking Lex hostage. Clark and Lionel chat. Clark overhears Lionel talking to Lucas and knows just where to be for the finale showdown. Lionel finds Lex strapped to a chair and Lex realizes Lionel can see just before Lucas puts a gun in Lionel's hand so that Lionel will shoot Lex. So talk about a climax here. This is where it all comes together and comes together quickly and uh, with some oomph, I would think. Yeah, this is like, this all takes place over the course of like 10 minutes. Like, fast. Fast. Uh, So Lucas and Lionel discuss the dangers of being a Luther. Uh, You know, Lionel kind of plays it off like, yeah, you're not a Luther if someone's, someone's trying to kill you. But then he does say that, you know, Clark is a very special young man. How much does Lionel know? Just in a couple episodes before, we found out he has secret files on Clark. He has uh, refined meteor rock. He had the key to the spaceship in his safe. So how much does he know? I bet he knows everything. I bet he knows. Because in the comics, it's kind of a given that Lex knows everything about Superman. But just doesn't tell anybody because he, it's, he gets... He he likes the idea that he knows and nobody else knows. And so I kind of get the same impression from Lionel. Well, look, later on, and I think I've mentioned this recently, but there's a, there's a later season where we, we retcon that Lionel was part of what's called the Veritas Association or Society and that they knew that there was going to be an alien coming to Smallville. So it seems like Lionel knew for a very long time, like even before Clark was here, that somebody was coming and he just put everything together. But that was a retcon. I don't think that was written in here, but it's definitely hinted that Lionel knows more than anyone else, including Lex. 
Yeah. Uh, so I, I think Lionel really seems to be playing off this triangle here for his affection. I guess, or not really triangle in this case, but but do you think, based on watching this episode, that Lionel would have accepted Lucas if Lucas had bested Lex? Like, is, is he really setting up a who, whichever one of you comes out on top will will be my heir? I don't think so. I think this is really just, I was getting at that. At the end of the day, Lucas is just another tool for Lionel to test Lex with. It's all about Lionel and Lex. All he's doing with Lionel or with Lucas is trying to like get under Lex's skin. Like he's like, the way I get it is like Lionel is trying to refine Lex, to turn Lex into like this uber businessman. And so I think this is just another, I think at the end of the day, Lionel wants Lex to succeed, but he does it in this weird, twisted way. He doesn't care about Lucas. Yeah, which I agree. I, I think the show is, is muddying the waters a little bit here, but we've seen that time and time again, uh, most recently with Dominic uh, Sanatori, who was like one of Lionel's lap dogs that thought he was going to take over Lex's position. But it was clear that it was all just a way to test Lex. But I think here it looks like Lionel is open to the, the possibility of accepting Lucas instead but then at the very end of the show where we see that Lionel has some compunctions about shooting Lex, but has none about shooting Lucas, that, that doesn't seem to be the case. Yeah, no, like if I were to look at it this way, if I were to like, who would, I know we talk about, we've been talking about stocks a lot, but who would I want managing my stock portfolio? And at the end of the day, I would want, I would want Lex, like, even though, you know, he's going to do some really shady stuff. But Lucas is just going to blow all the money. Yeah. All right. Buying samurai swords and whatnot. Like, <laughs> and video game consoles. Yeah. This, this guy cannot be trusted with anything. So Chloe comes to Clark and basically kind of lets him know that the shooter was killed. So Clark bails in the middle of a shift, handing Chloe his, his tray with drinks on it. And we get a scene of Lana watching him leave. So your manager is right there. You could at least say, Lana, I got to go. He doesn't, he walks right by Lana, doesn't even say anything to her. Clark, I know you're, you think you're running off to rescue people, but you're really not. In this case, you're just running off to, to yell at Lionel. And, and that doesn't even happen. This is, Clark, you should never have been hired. You, you are a yeah. terrible employee. Yeah. In hindsight, looking back at 15 year old Tom, yeah, I could see it. Yeah, a 15-year-old is going to do something like this. They just walk off the job. You know, not even think anything of it. You know? You're just you're just 15. Living life. Doing what you want. It's all cool. You still have you still have many years to grow up. I, uh, I'm a big fan of Kevin Smith. I listen to a lot of his podcasts. And he's told several times that he quit a job so he could go watch Batman for like the fourth, yeah. for like the fourth time. Of course. He you're just going like, to get another job. Yeah. Just, I'm, I'm going to quit. So, yeah. So then we get the scene where Clark stops by the mansion and talks to Lionel, and that's what we did as our opening scene, which is maybe my favorite part of this whole episode. I absolutely love that scene mm-hmm. where he's like, oh, actually, well, no, I'm sorry. There's another scene where Clark, where Lex is talking to Jonathan. I just wanted to say thank you for everything you and your family have done for me. Are you going somewhere, Lex? Well, I need to talk to my brother, and you know what they say about fish and house guests after three days. You're welcome back anytime. It's nice of you to say. Look, I gave you every single crappy farm job I could think of. 
But you did them all. You didn't complain, not once. You would have made one hell of a farmer. Thanks, Mr. Cat. Sure. And then he gets knocked unconscious by Lucas. So that's where we get our unconscious person for the episode is uh, yep. Jonathan goes out by Lucas's uh, pistol whipping. <laughs> then we get that scene where Lionel and Clark talk, which I love the, 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 the end specifically where he says, send your regards to my regards to your mother. Just damn. Like, I don't get that. Was that like, a, did Lionel and his mother have something going on? Sort of. Uh, again, if you're, you're missing a lot of the context here, but it seems like Lionel was trying to seduce Martha. Uh, he's certainly getting close to her. She works for him at this point. Uh, he bought her like a really expensive watch and just getting really intimate. Not intimate, but like intimately. Yeah, yeah I got you. Uh, so yeah, it's, it seems like a very pointed line that, just meant to piss Clark off. Gotcha. Uh, but but Lionel answers the phone. It's Lucas, and we learn, and Clark overhears that uh, Lionel is going to take the chopper to go to LexCorp headquarters and meet with Lucas and Lex, but don't do anything rash. So that's why Clark is also there. Yep. And then the act ends with Lionel bursting in, finding Lex tied to a chair, and Lucas pulls a gun. And that's when. Put the gun down, Lucas. Put it down. How do you know he's got a gun? And Lucas sets up this situation where he puts a gun in Lionel's hand and says, you're going to shoot Lex or I'm going to shoot you. And that's where we end the act. So I feel like we've been going through this pretty quickly. So anything in that fourth act that you want to circle? Yeah, I'm very confused. Did I, I may have missed something. What happened to Jonathan? He gets knocked he, unconscious. And that's it? Yep, they just, as far as we know, he just leaves him laying on the ground. So, like, Lucas could just, like, you know, wait till he leaves, but he's just gonna, like, run in and pistol whip a guy. Like, he could have got Lex at any spot, but he decides to go here when he's talking to somebody. Yeah, okay. I mean, he was getting ready to leave. Okay. Like, yeah. like Lex was, handshake, if he would have waited one more minute, then Lex would have been outside, there would have been no witnesses, uh yeah this it, it, also it, uh yeah it's so goofy the other thing is yeah um i guess i guess uh smallville is like a just a quick you know 45 minute to an hour drive no Even, no it, it's about a three hour round trip unless you take the chopper if you take the chopper then it's like uh know, is that is okay gotcha is the chopper a common um uh, a plot device. It is for Lionel. It's very common for Lionel. <laughs> okay. that, it's one of the things that we've, we've talked about the show is that the different distance between Metropolis and Smallville does seem to change based on the needs of the plot. Because yeah, we it, know that Lionel takes the chopper there, but I assume that Lex and Lucas had to drive there. Oh, yeah, they got their own chopper. For sure. Maybe. Maybe they do. Dude, come on. What? A chopper is only like... I don't know how much a chopper is. Can't be more than a million dollars. They got millions just lying around. They're Luthers. That's true. And that's only what they report to the IRS. Yeah, that's right. All right. So now we'll jump into our fifth act. Clark shows up in time to save Lex, but not really, because this was all a setup by Lex and Lucas just to show who Lionel really is. Clark gets justifiably fired. Lex and Lionel reset the relationship. And then we end with Clark and Lex talking about dads. So what did you think of that setup? So we find out that this whole Lionel shoots Lex or Lucas shoots Lionel was a setup because both guns had nothing but blanks. It was all part of Lex's plan for, for Lucas to see that Lionel 
would be willing to shoot him, but not let. It's a little convoluted, but but what did you think about the plan and the execution? Um, I thought it was not a good plan because at the end of the day, their plan winds up succeeding, but somehow Clark gets involved, okay, and causes Lucas to drop the gun, allowing Lionel to then turn and shoot at Lucas, but that's obviously not their plan, like... They, I just, I don't understand their plan because then, like, some chaos gets infused into the situation, and then the outcome is Lionel attempting to shoot Lucas, and then they're all like, "Oh yes, that is what we wanted." Like, did they want Lionel to shoot Lucas, or did they want him to shoot Lex? I was just so confused. Yeah, I, I think trying to trying to do like a thought experiment on what was supposed to happen. I think what was supposed to happen is that Lionel would shoot Lex. Because that's what the setup is. If either you shoot Lex or I shoot you. And if the point of this plan is to show the monster that Lionel is, it only works if Lionel does in fact shoot his his son to save himself. If Lionel doesn't do that, then Lionel's the good guy here. And then I guess, and then I guess Lucas can trust Lionel? Well, no. no I think what... Because it, cause it was a blank, I think it was to show Lucas that Lionel would kill his own son if it protected himself. So how can Lucas trust Lionel if Lionel's bl- willing to kill Lex? It gets ramped up when Lionel tries to shoot Lucas, and okay. Lucas clearly finds out that he isn't cared about. But I, I feel like that was the point. I also feel like Lucas already told Lex that Lionel could see, because... Because Lex really picked up on it quickly. And I feel like that's something Lucas would do just to show how smart he is. Be like, you know, on the three-hour drive to uh, Metropolis, he's like, you know your dad can see, right? Like, you- and, Yeah, and maybe maybe Lex didn't believe him until he realized it. Poss- yeah, possibly. Uh, but we get Clark for once not just breaking into a, a room. He actually uses his x-ray vision to see what's going on. And even though there are multiple guns being pointed at multiple people, feels like this is a situation that could let him take some extra time and crawl through the ventilation ducts to use his x-ray his, uh, heat vision precisely uh, when it's needed to rather than brute forcing the situation. Yeah, I was very interested. I was like, how's this going to play out? Like if all of a sudden Clark, all of a sudden it shows up in the air ducts, like jumps down to save the day, they're going to be like, how is this possible? So he had to be a little bit more clandestine. Yeah. Uh, he uses his heat vision, and I guess it, it melts some little parts of the, the duct. And uh, as Lucas and Lex walk out, leaving Lionel behind, he sort of notices this, which, again, just goes to show that Lionel is, uh, you know, he's a mastermind. He's the only one that noticed this. Lucas doesn't wonder why his hand is burnt. Like, I, yeah. I like it how also how his heat vision is enough to burn through the metal grate, but only enough to give him a, give Lucas a little singe on his hand and not melt his hand to bone. Like, yeah, it does. It does his hand doesn't just immolate into flames. Like a it's torch. just kind of yeah, just kind of little little warm. Yeah. Uh, so that situation has thankfully been resolved. So we cut to the Talon where Clark is fired. Good. And Clark says, "I hope this doesn't change things between us." And Lana says. I don't know how things are ever going to change between us. I, I again, really like this. The the writers of this episode, despite some of its flaws in characterizations, 
uh, I think some of these moments, these dialogues, especially these, like this is the second time where we've had like a line that is twisted and repeated with a very different meaning. Like we have Jonathan saying, you know, I have no intention of turning my back on Lex. And then we have Lana saying, I don't know how it can change between us, which is, you know, a lot of emotion and weight to that where Clark was trying to be flippant. Lana's actually given real emotion here. I really like those lines. I think those are extremely well done. For sure. I agree. All right. And then we get to basically the end where Lex and Lionel are resetting their relationship. And this is where we almost get an over-the-shoulder moment from Lionel because he's sitting on a couch and it seems like he's about to continue this conversation with Lex behind him. But Lex doesn't do that. He like, comes around and sits in front of him. So I think like Lex kept him from being able to do the over-the-shoulder because this is definitely the Luther power move to talk over the shoulder. <laughs> And Lex doesn't let Lionel get away with it. But then after they're done talking, Lex leaves. And then we get an ADR line, uh, which is basically where a line is added in. At least I feel like this is what this is. Because Lex is like basically left. But then we hear a line. So clearly he said that line over his shoulder as he was leaving. But we don't actually see it. So I'm not really sure if it counts. That's why I said it was debatable. Okay. Uh, And then, of course, we have to work in the parable of the frog and the scorpion. Because, you know... Why not? Uh, and then we end with Lex and uh, Clark at the farm talking about dads. So how did you, again, fifth act, things get wrapped up very neatly with the bow because, again, this is small, but this is what we do here. But what did you think about, about the way things resolve? What did you think? As someone who has not been watching along and is just spot-checking episodes, yeah. wh- where does this episode, how did it start off and how does it leave you for what will be the next episode that you're not watching? Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I feel like we. I feel like it. Does Lucas become a recurring character? No, I don't know okay. that we ever see him again. That's weird. Like that's the only thing. I was like, also, Lucas is just like this. They don't ever really ever address that. Like, where's who has? I guess Lucas just Lex has Lucas's shares now. They don't really talk about that. So I guess Lucas yeah. just goes back to um, Southeast Asia to play more poker. To be like, fair, I don't recall. I have. I have recently you know like six months ago before i started the podcast watched the entire 10 seasons i don't recall lucas coming back maybe he does i just don't remember but he's not the only lionel child that we learned about later on in the series there's another one who comes in who actually has a prominent role oh nice there's like a league of uh, a league of luthers just out there for extraordinary children which is just all the lionel offspring from various relationships no, based on the beginning, this is a they tied this sucker up nice and neatly. I feel like this, like I said at the beginning, this is one of these shows where like I feel like I can just watch an episode and get a story. And because it's it's a it's a CW show, and it's a it's a particular type of show. This is not like this is not premiere television or like Oscar or Emmy winning TV. This is a CW show. Like you drop in. It is what it is. Like, you got a full story. I was able to, like, the whole idea of, like, what Clark and Lana were doing, like, before. Like, that's telegraphed pretty neatly. So, yeah, overall, start to finish, like, I didn't feel like I missed anything. Right. I got it all. So, one of the big concepts that comes up in this episode that I want to chat about for a little bit is when Lucas talks about, you know, if you don't, if you're not raised by your parents, you have the ability to become your own person. And I don't buy that. But then he does say, if Lex was raised by your parents and you were raised by Lex's parents, how different would you be? And that is an interesting concept and something we've we've kind of talked about. Because I've said many times that if Jonathan 
had been more open to Lex now as an adult and let him in as like a surrogate family, you know, sibling into the family, that it might have stopped Lex from becoming the Lex Luthor we know. So, and I know there are comics that address this, so do you want to drop any knowledge about any maybe plot lines where Clark isn't raised by the Kents and how different he becomes? So, that's, it's it's interesting because there, there really, there really isn't any other than if you would consider Superman Red Sun, which is where Superman is the the defender of the red army in moscow like it's where the it's what would happen it's it's a what if story and the whole premise is what would happen if superman ship didn't crash in the middle of uh the u.s but crashed in the middle of russia like and it becomes it's a completely different it's a completely different superman it's a more super it's a superman who is more um devoted to country instead of family and 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 it more devoted to instead of the greater good superman is not a superhero that is about the greater good superman is about the individual like there's so many times where super, superman is like like he is the superhero that is like he's gonna save the person instead of like he's not gonna come down to the moral decision do we save all of the people or the one people to superman all life is more valuable so what you find out is if Superman is not raised by the Kents, like he becomes more cynical and more logical. Uh, it's, I mean, almost like Lex in a way. Like mm. that's I me. Mean, that's what makes Superman Superman. He's not like Batman. Is like Batman's like we 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 will just all of Gotham will be destroyed unless we take out this one person. And Batman's like, all right, we're gonna take out this one person. Whereas <laughs> Superman will never do that. Like so. So there's actually a later on. I want to say season five, six, seven, somewhere in there, we get to an alternate reality, like a multiverse, where Lionel does raise Clark as his own, and he becomes known as Ultraman, and he's basically an evil Superman. So we we do see that in this show later, much later on, that if Lionel had raised Clark, he would have become basically an evil version of himself. And that's basically what Superman Red Sun is, so... All right. So that kind of wraps things up. Uh, so again, did you like the episode? You know, again, big picture, or is there anything else we, you want to talk about? Maybe we, we sped through, you want to circle back to any final thoughts on the episode? No. So like I say, I said this already multiple times. This is a CW show. It's not, this, these type of shows are not particular my type of show, but that said, I can understand them and I'm not going to just rip on it because it is what it is. Like it's a, it's got a, it's got a ton of a low budget. It's supposed to be a high school drama. So I actually, I really like this episode because I love, I like Lex so much in this show. It's just such a good characterization of Lex. Like this is a Lex that I can see in a movie, mm-hmm. but my main problem with this show is, or this episode was freaking Lucas. Like the moment he shows up, I hate him so much. And it's just like, I'm trying to like, okay, this is the type of character they're saying, this is a bad boy. And I just, I, I just, I hate him so much. Yeah. And I, I guess that, I guess that's what they wanted me to do is hate him. So I, I, I do think they want you to dislike him, but then I think it's kind of a weird twist because Lex takes like ownership of him, you know, and he basically hides him from Lionel. He's under, Lex's protection. So Lex is so desperate for family that even though Lucas is a total D-bag, he keeps him around. You know, he doesn't become part of the show, but you know, in the narrative of the world, Lex keeps, I'm assuming keeps tabs on him, maybe goes over there for Christmas. Who knows? Uh, so he is so desperate to have a family that he 
we'll let Lucas be in it, even though Lucas is not really a great person. But I don't know. Yeah. Lucas did have a very rough life. Maybe maybe now that he's in a different situation, he'll chill the F out a little bit. I don't know. Just play video games and do pull-ups. Exactly. Like, yeah. Maybe. All right. So one of the things I like to talk about is my thesis of Man versus Superman. I think that's what the show ultimately is about. It's exploring Clark Kent's desire to be the all-American boy who just wants to play football and have a girlfriend, but he can't because his Kryptonian heritage and his destiny as Superman keeps getting in the way. So looking at this episode through the lens of Man versus Superman, what do you think about this episode? I mean, maybe in the whole idea of like he had to ditch Lana to go talk to Lionel, but I feel like he didn't have to do that right away. Like that conversation could have waited. Like, like wait till the end of your shift. Like, I don't know. I I don't think. I feel like this was not Clark trying to balance being man or Superman. I think this is Clark just having very very poor like decision making abilities. Like in this episode, at least you could have balanced them. No, and I com- completely agree. I think this is an episode where it's a little bit of muddied water because, like you said, the only thing that really got in the way is Clark's own feeling of, I need to be the hero, and leaving his shift early, he didn't need to do that. Yeah. And he could have absolutely waited. Uh, he would not have been able to save Lucas if he was just a regular boy, but but in Clark's life, that really would have been probably beneficial. It, w- it wouldn't have been harmful. Because then Lex would have came back into position. His his relationships with Lana would have stayed basically the same. He might have been able to keep the job. So, yeah, this I don't think this episode really hits on it. But I think, to your point, this is a Luther-centric episode. Clark is almost a bit player. He He didn't need to do anything. Like, if he had not shown up at Luther Tower, no one was going to die. Unless Lionel killed both of them because he had a real gun probably somewhere. So, the, they, the Lucas and Lex connection would have still gotten their desire it just would have looked a little bit differently so it's, i think this is kind of a weird episode so for me i don't think this episode really hits that theme very well it's kind of a kind of a one-offish episode also i will say this too since the, we're talking about this i will interject my superman comic opinion that the best superman is the superman who does is able to balance this all right and is able to learn that he can be both a dad and a somebody who cares about his friends as well as being superman that's why like one of my favorite comic book runs is the the few about four years ago or three four years ago now peter tomasi's run on superman it's where superman settles back down in smallville with lois he's got a son and he's him and lois are still they're like commuting to metropolis so maybe metropolis isn't that far away like but um and they're able to balance it and it's not like this the whole comic is not this like Oh, am I able to balance? It's like he just does. And it just if it's so it's so good. I like it when Superman is able to be a regular old person and Superman. That's like my favorite Superman. All right. So I'll just ask you quickly, have you seen the trailer for the new Superman and Lois TV show that's coming to see? I have I have not. So that might be something, maybe we can do a bonus episode if you want to watch that and we can do like a quick uh breakdown on what we think about that. Yeah, actually. It's basically Superman and Lois going back to Smallville, raising a family. I may check that out then, because like I said, that is like my favorite 
type of Superman. I have heard really good things about the new Superman that they have. Yeah, so definitely check that out. All right, well, thank you very much for joining me. Before we let you go, you get a chance to ask a question for next week's co-host. So what is your past okay. question? Yes, okay. So we all know that Lex found his long-lost brother in a Southeast Asian gambling den. So well, I, my question is, if you were the long-lost sibling of Lex Luthor, where would you want Lex to find you? Nice. So. Excellent. So one more time, where can people find you, your work on the internet, any projects you want to plug? Now's your time. Uh, yes, you can follow me at BezcarTom on Twitter. Yes, Mandalorian Metal Tom on Twitter, where I'm tweeting about comics and games and all sorts of crazy stuff. You can catch us on the RPG Academy's Twitch channel as we're playing through the Ghosts of Saltmarsh. And then you can also catch me on our podcast feed, the RPG Academy on iTunes or any other podcast uh, catcher of choice where I am the host of our show and tell episodes and all sorts of other stuff. Excellent. All right. Well, thank you, Tom. As for myself, again, Michael at the RPG Academy. Most of what I do can be found there, except for all the stuff about this show, which can be found at Farm to Fable, both on Facebook, Twitter, and our own email. If you'd like to email us anything, uh, smallvillefancast at gmail.com. I've actually got several emails just the last few weeks. Uh, more people are finding the show and asking to be co-hosts. And okay. I'm saying yes as much as I can. Though season two is currently already booked. I have co-hosts for season two booked all the way out to the end of the season. I have not yet started looking for season three, I'm going to be doing that fairly soon. So all the people who've been emailing me, you'll get a chance to, to pick an episode. And, you know, once we've verified that you can capture your own audio, all that kind of good stuff. Uh, but we're still looking for more reviews. So, again, please, if you are listening to the show and you've not yet left us a re- review, please consider doing that. If you don't listen to us on a podcaster that allows you to do reviews, because not everyone uses Apple Podcasts, uh, please consider going to Stitcher. You do not have to have an account at Stitcher to leave a review for an episode or for a podcast at Stitcher. So Stitcher is kind of like the uh, the battleground for reviews. You can even if you don't listen to us there, you can go there to leave us a review. If you can't leave us a review where you normally would, if that makes sense. Uh, so with all that out of the way, please just remember to stay after the closing credits for this week's scoreboard. Farm to Fable is a Smallville rewatch fan cast and is not officially affiliated with DC Comics, Warner Brothers Television the CW Network, or any other owners of Smallville and or its related source materials. As such, these companies retain sole ownership of all symbols, images, names, logos, and other proprietary material related to Smallville. Our use of logos, images, names, likenesses, and sound clips are being used under the Fair Use Guidelines. Our logo was created by Michael Waldschlager II. You can find Michael on Twitter at LoserMLW. Farm to Fable is written, edited, and produced by me, Michael Ross, with additional input by weekly co-hosts as credited in each episode's show notes. And now, let's check the scoreboard. Total number of vehicles wrecked. We're now at 35 with two motorcycles wrecked this week. One wrecked by Lucas as he was fleeing from the casino, and the other, Dirk Lee, wrecks his motorcycle when Clark knocks him off of it trying to save Lucas. Total number of times a person has been knocked unconscious. We're now at 73, with Jonathan being knocked out by Lucas, who was after Lex. So looking at our main cast, Lex has been knocked out eight times. Lana, 10. Clark, 3. Martha, 2. Petey, 5. Chloe, 6. And Jonathan now at 5. And Lionel at 2. Total number of times someone goes to the hospital. We're still at 32, with no new visits this week. Looking at our main cast, Clark has been at the hospital once. 
Chloe three times, Lana three times, Petey four times, Lionel twice, and Luther and Lex just once. And the total number of times Clark's tells her shows someone other than Lana's abilities now at 30 with an asterisk. I don't think we touched on it on the show, but we're, we're kind of counting the assassin because he might have been able to see that Clark basically kept the bullets from killing the guy that he was there to kill, but then he dies. So there we go. 